Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Have you ever considered that this opening is kind of a ritual for how we begin our show? Yeah, it totally is, isn't it? Because then it's the beginning of the container of like, this is your commute time or your listening time or whatever it is. Yeah. You want to talk about that? I do. Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode of Pants Talking Games. I am your host, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And on today's episode, we are answering um, a question. Oh boy, I have to try to pronounce this again and no one has helped me out yet. <laughs> do we think that this is Malefic 7M or do we think that this is Malefic7M? I like Malefic7M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of do too, but you know, let us know <laughs> if we're could getting be it right or not. It's hard to tell with written things online. Anyway, another fantastic question from them, um, and it is about rituals. How do you start a game? How do you take breaks and start again? Equipment, accoutrement, etc. One shots versus campaigns. So today we are going to talk about rituals um, in games and in gaming spaces. Um, we probably will not possibly begin to cover everything that there is to talk about, about using ritual activities in games and game spaces, but there's a ton more information so we can kind of get you a dabble and then send you in some good directions. Um, but before we can even jump into that, the first thing that we have to do is define what a ritual is. And for that, that's where I come in. That is where you come in. <laughs> Ritual is defined in a number of ways, but the definition we'll be using for tonight is of an action arising from convention or habit. Uh, Most of the other definitions are actually tied to um, some sort of religious thing. This is the most um, non-religious version of that, which I think fits for tonight. Yeah, it seems Um, appropriate. Unless it was the 80s and you are worried about um, satanic panic, (laughs) in which case. Anyway, (laughs) parking that aside... (laughs) Um, We are definitely talking about rituals tonight. We're not talking about rituals in terms of um, long casting magic spells. We're going to be talking about rituals as in the actions that you do um, when setting up your game to kind of initiate your game, um, to kind of end your game, those kinds of things. In fact, we probably won't have time to talk about ending rituals, but we're going to get into this topic if we find that there's more meat on the bone when we get to the end, we may do a second we'll one of do these. Do a second one. Yeah, because right. honestly, I'm having thoughts even as we're doing the opening. We just went through that the notes and we were like, yeah, we're totally fine. done. And then now I'm like, oh, man, more stuff. <laughs> no, there's probably plenty more stuff we could do. Okay. Yeah. Um, as good as we are on this topic, there is actually a better source for you to also ingest. Um, and that is Megway Baker... Um, wrote a brilliant article uh, that's uh, posted on um, on their website about ritual in game design. Uh, it's a good read, and if you're really into this topic beyond what we're talking about, you should totally read this article. We will be putting the link up in the show notes so that you can go um, hit the article, but you could also just um, 
Google Meg Baker RPG ritual and you will you will land right on the article because that's how I found it. Yeah, um, I mean, the other thing that we can just straight up say about that is that she is an absolute expert in both game design, game play, and in ritualistic spaces. So just to lay that out there, like... Um, Far more qualified than us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's just be clear about this. We're going to talk about rituals from a practical experience, as in stuff we do. Um, but we lifted some stuff from Meg's article to help frame our conversation. Um, but there is so much more to it. It is actually a really good read. And if you're kind of into this kind of nerdy stuff and you're listening to this podcast, so you probably <laughs> are, go go find the article. I don't think it's you'll good, I, I don't yeah. think you'll regret the five to ten minutes it'll take you to read it. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Senda, we are focusing our discussion today on three parts uh three parts of gaming, right? Three kinds of rituals um, that Meg defined in their article. What are those three parts? Yeah. So, so just to be clear, there are more in the article, but these are the ones that we are choosing to focus on because from our personal experience, these are the ones I think a lot of people engage in even subconsciously, right? Um, so the first one is the welcome, which is basically when you get everyone together. Uh, the second one is the gathering when you actually like sit down to assemble not necessarily sit down but you're basically assembling for the game right actually like getting ready um and then the journey inward is when our focus shifts to the game itself from anything else that we might be doing absolutely cool a um when we're talking about rpgs a ritual is something that we intentionally do that is signaling one of these um, sections, right? One of these moments in the game, right? So rituals about welcoming, rituals about gathering, rituals about journey inward. And then like the question asked, which was very broad, right? We could have rituals about taking breaks, coming back from breaks, ending games, all of those things, right? So we can have these rituals at different places. And the thing about them is that they just, they're basically, they, they note this change, right? From one space to another. Um, they kind of, they, they form like a kind of mental um, road, like, I don't know, like a sign on the, like an exit, like an exit ramp kind of sign. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like, yeah. lets you know, like, hey, you were here, but now we're going here. Right. Um, I think one of, one of the words um, that Megway used that I think is um, really accurate because we've talked about it. And and a lot of this conversation we've had has made me think about some of the things that we've done for Turning Point. Um, so one of the, the primary things we talk about is kind of like containing the game space so that it can be separate from like real, quote, real space. That's a me word right there. With sure. funny ears around the it. real world, right? But like, um, and we've talked about it. I think, I think probably in our bleed episode, didn't we do a bleed episode? I feel like we've talked about it before. No, oh my I gosh, think I, I think we did. But when you'll be shocked when you find out what number episode, how it old it is. Oh no. Yeah. Anyway, um, so there's a thing that we we frequently actually talk about, um, containing and transitioning in games when we talk about bleed. Um, so this is sort of formalizing the discussion as of, of the game as a container space that is separate from life space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, rituals, when it comes to rituals, there is a good chance that you, the listener, 
um, I know because we had the same um, thoughts when we started writing this episode. Yes. It's a good chance that formally or informally, you actually have some rituals for your game. Um, mm-hmm. You may just not recognize them as rituals, but I think when we start talking about it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I actually do that. do that. And oh, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it does. Yeah. Um, so rituals can arise spontaneously. As in, like, it just happens one day, like, you do it, and everybody likes it, so you just do it again, and again, you know, and then you repeat it. Because, again, a ritual is going to be repeatable, but they can arise spontaneously, as in, just like I said, like, one day you just decide to do a thing, and then you decide to do it that way every other time. Mm-hmm. Or they can be very deliberate. You can actually plan to have a ritual for some of these things. Um, and... um and that's an interesting thought, right? There are, you know, there are some thoughts about you could craft your gaming sessions to be very deliberate, not the game you're playing, but how the game, how you transition into the game and how you transition out. Rituals are a tool to do that. Yeah. Okay. A ritual for last part of this, a ritual can be um, intrinsic to your group. Mm-hmm. That is, it doesn't matter what game you're playing, your your group hat your group does the you know certain things. Or the ritual can actually be part of the game, that the game actually has you do stuff um, as you are, you know, um, setting up, preparing and running the game and you know, finishing the game. The, so rituals can actually be part of the actual game design. So the thing that I will say about that just as our really strong, obvious example of rituals in game design is if you have ever played 10 candles there is a ritualistic element of lighting the candles and there is a ritual to the candles going out Mm -hmm. right that ends the game so that one is a really strong visual representation of the beginning and end of your container your game container right um and and basically anything that functions like that written into a game is then a ritual that is part of the game anyway sorry that was i wanted to throw in that example I, I, you shouldn't say you're sorry. That was, okay. uh, that was an excellent contribution <laughs> to what we were saying. Good. Don't apologize for don't apologize for for doing w- your part. I don't want to interrupt your train of thought. <laughs> okay, quick aside side sidebar here. We mm-hmm. use hand signals when we are because we're on Zoom right now. So we use hand yes. signals to let yeah, each other know us. when we want to jump in. <laughs> yeah. So again, that also is perfectly fine to just flag in and indicate that you're ready to jump in. I know when to pause and kick it over to you. We are professionals. <laughs> There's a sign on my bookshelf behind me that no one can see that says that. Mine's in my bedroom. Professional. Professionals. Okay. Good. Carrying on. Going to wrap this up before we jump into the first of the spaces. Sure. Um, in fact, that's actually what I was going to say. Yeah, what we're going to do what we're going to do next and for the rest of the show is we're actually going to focus most of our time on those three spaces that we talked about welcome gathering and journey inward and we're going to talk about some rituals that surround them from our own experiences mm-hmm. cool. which makes it easy because it's always easy to talk about your own experiences yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um so send it why don't you we'll ping pong these why don't you uh introduce the uh introduce welcome Yeah, sure. So welcome is, um, as we said at the beginning, it's when you first come together. Um, And this is sort of the ritual that happens when everyone arrives, right? So um, this is people coming in, taking off coats, saying, you know, hello, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And this, the purpose of this time and space um, is reestablishing the group and the group dynamics, um, bringing everybody together. arriving, bringing everybody back together and recreating that connection at a personal level for the game. Now, the interesting thing is all of the words that I just chose 
are really about a campaign um, or at least a longstanding group, right? Which I think is where both of us are going to speak to this from. But there is a little bit, um, there's, so there's maybe a slightly different expression of this at the beginning of a one-shot that is still a very similar thing where it becomes creating group connection, introducing yourselves, welcoming people to your table, talking about what you're going to play, um, all of that kind of stuff. And I think the interesting thing here is uh, you don't necessarily, in a one-shot, and you don't necessarily for your home group have to have a ritual in this space. Yeah. Um, like it, at a lot of one shots, I let this kind of spontaneously occur as people just sit down at the table and we're, you know, getting to know each other before the game starts. Yeah, absolutely. But you absolutely can have a ritual for something like a convention one shot in order to welcome everyone. Like it could be very deliberate if you put a little um, thought into what you want to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, cool. cool. Please continue. Yeah, so um, informally, this this might just be hanging out to chat, which is sort of what I think it looks like at my one-shot tables and at your one-shot tables, um, uh, catching up on lives, you know, etc. Um, but more formally, it could be something really specific, like you were talking about. You might have a very specific um, entry point, or um, you might, you know, all have a meal together, or, or you know, whatever that might look like, that it is a very defined situation we come Sure, not for my one-shot. But not for your not a meal for your one shot, but like correct. at your one shot table, you could have a more defined like intro or something like. You could that. hand out Twinkies. Twinkies. Yeah, like welcome. Twinkies used to be my go to convention food when I was oh. a much more of a um, <laughs> disaster. I um, was like, excuse me. <laughs> a Starbucks coffee and a couple Twinkies used to be my Gen Con breakfast, and then I grew up oh, a little no. bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's childish to eat Twinkies and Starbucks coffee for breakfast. I'm just saying it's not very healthy. And so in an attempt to do better as I got older, I ate like more deliberate breakfasts. Anyway, How did I not know this? <laughs> this was all before you. This was B this was the BS time before Senda. Oh wow. The BS. But I fucking love Twinkies. Let's just be clear. Okay, anyway, moving right along. <laughs> so jumping into actual examples, right? Do you mm-hmm. want to do yours first since I did the sure. intro? I think that's a great idea. Okay. Um, my, so my current game group, um, my, and I have two, um, I have two game groups in person. I play with you online and um, that is a little different. So I'll, I'll speak to my in-person game groups. My two game groups uh, always fall around dinner time. So uh, having dinner is our welcoming ritual. Um we so we do it two different ways in my Knights Black Agents game. My, the host of the game, Sean, tends to cook something and we bring over additional things like uh, beverages, snacks, desserts, and things like that. And then usually kick Sean in some money for, you know, whatever ingredients he bought. But we've done things like, um, you know, um, pulled pork sliders, barbecue, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, so that like that one is one where Sean likes to actually prepare something um, and then we all kind of contribute, to, you know, towards that dinner and we all sit down in the kitchen, eat dinner and then, um, well, I'll talk about the next part afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And that is blended in with um, socializing and catching up, right? So we are, of course, while we're eating dinner, talking about, you know, since we've seen each other in the last two weeks and, you know, this funny video and all that kind of stuff. Like, we, that's how we all, you know, reconnect. And then in my... Um, Ox game, my Cortex Prime game, uh, that one we just order out. 
Um, it's at my place and I already have enough to do. I, I can't really also cook dinner for everyone between prepping games and everything else. So we, we just get something out and it is actually in my <laughs> calendar. It is my one dinner out a week. Um, I'm usually pretty good about not eating out. Um, but that is the one day I have reserved to go get something. And so we just pick something local in the area, get it and tend to bring it back to my place and eat it. Um, and then when in the um, online days, in the pandemic times, we always uh, factored in about 20 to 30 minutes of socializing before the game started. So if we were going to be playing at 7, uh, the invites went out for 6.30 so that we could do that kind of connection online uh, and just, you know, kind of go around the Zoom and talk about how we were doing and um in especially during lockdown, are we you know are we all okay? How are we feeling? That kind of thing. Before we jumped into the game, how about you? Yeah, I think mine is actually reasonably similar, but there are some interesting, really specific parts to it. So the first thing that happens is whoever shows up first helps me expand the kitchen table because I have a kitchen table that is a four seater, um, and I play with six people. <laughs> um, so whoever shows up first. Um, the first person or two, um, the first part that happens is we expand the table, put the leaf in, um, and run downstairs, bring the extra chairs upstairs, right? So there's just this space adjustment. And I don't do it before people get here because it kind of requires at least two people. And um, yeah, so that's like the first thing. Um, and then we, um, since we play with Wen still, but he's very far away from us now because he moved across the country, um, there is a secondary ritual, which is... Um, getting Wen set up on the computer so that he is also present and anyone else who is digital because we're already playing sort of a mixed hybrid. So like, it's not a big deal if someone can't make it in person on any given night um, that we just, we pipe them in from wherever they are. And it's like, cool. Like we just, this is just how we roll now. <laughs> so then of course we were catching up and stuff um, and we're usually doing that over dinner. There's a baseline assumption from um, just all of our time that, um, everybody's sort of responsible for feeding themselves, but we usually all eat together because we usually, we play on Thursday nights. So everybody's usually coming from work or from somewhere else um, and either brings food with them or eats on the way. And gosh, if they don't, I feed them because I can't, I can't not. <laughs> like I just, I don't have the capacity to not feed a person. Um, it's just a thing that happens. Like when Wen showed up with gummy worms and a bottle of wine and I was like, so I'm making you a sandwich now. Um, cool. So that, and then the the last part of our ritual is that um, it, we have one particular player that we joke, you're always on time as long as you're there before him because he's driving the longest and he usually has to work the latest. So it's not his fault that he's always late. Um, but Brett, bring, Brett brings the beer and he's always the last one here. So um, once Brett shows up, then that is sort of the point at which we start to transition. We're all eating and stuff, but our, our true welcoming is ongoing. And then from that point, we can actually start the transition to the next phase, which is gathering. Indeed. Cool. Let's talk about gathering. Uh, gathering is actually the assembly where we assemble for the game. So meeting, and as we talked about in our own rituals, right, we're sitting around eating, we're talking, we might be in a different room, but it, it, gathering is the, okay, it's time to get started. Like, let's get the game like together. And so um, it's 
the indication that we are ready to actually start the game. And the most common ritual in this area is the setting up of the game space. So um, while Senda's table gets set up during the welcoming part, because that has to do with eating and stuff, um, it could very well also have been if people had eaten somewhere else or if you were eating outside, mm-hmm. because I know you have a nice outside yeah, uh, eating area, outside. Um, then, you know, setting up the table could be that. Um, but this also includes like setting up the GM, setting up their space, um, could be like laying out your you know maps getting out your minis all of those things might also include music if you use music in your games uh you know this might be the time where you get your music going so that like everybody's starting to kind of mentally you know get into the mood for the game um if you have uh cool led lighting this might be where you like tweak up your lighting i actually don't do this for yeah i was like you you could though game table but i actually (laughs) probably could if i um thought about it yep all right. Um, since I described Senda, give me some examples of um, give me some examples of your um, gathering. Yeah, this is interesting because this this particular um, transitional part is extremely informal for us in that it basically looks like kind of clearing the table of dinner, right? Um, frantically digging around to try to find the character sheets that none of us remember where we put from last time. Um, being like, oh, yeah, I forgot to grab dice and running into the other room and grabbing dice. <laughs> and then usually like putting a thing of cookies in the middle of the table um, and like just settling in with our writing utensils and that sort of thing. What does it look Perfect. like for you? <laughs> sure. Um, again, a little different based on my games, but... Um in my Knights Black Agents game, uh, it is actually leaving the kitchen and going to the game room. So Sean has a, a basement game room. And so um, our gathering begins with us leaving the kit, like cleaning up from the kitchen and then heading downstairs. Um, and then um, in my um, in the games at my house, um, it is the same thing. We clean the table. Right. So I like to, um, you know, clear off all the dinner stuff, actually wipe the table down and then get ready. Um, other things that I, uh, another one that is big for me is the laying out of my GM gear. Uh, I have a certain amount of stuff that I like to have for each game. It, it varies a little by game. And then there's some stuff that's in ever like with me for every game. And, um, I, in previous things, we've talked about mise en place, about having places for everything. So part of my gathering ritual is that I start setting up like all of my stuff. Um, this also includes because I am of the school uh, where I keep everybody's characters yeah, between games. Not a bad um, idea, except yeah. that we never so, know who's going to be digital maybe. Right. So, right. And we have our way, we have ways around that. I'll talk about that. Um, I'll talk about that in the bamboo lounge, but um, I then like, will pass out the character sheets. That is another, like the passing out of the character sheets and getting the table tents arranged on the table is also part of that kind of gathering ritual. Uh, in the past, for some games, I've had soundtracks. Um, have um, uh, one of the games, uh, one of our players made individual soundtracks for each character. So part of our uh, gathering ritual was to put on one of those, or sometimes, or and this is uh, harken back to the late '90s, <laughs> early 2000s. We would put them in the CD changer yeah. and put it on shuffle. Put it on shuffle, shuffle all yeah. those CDs, my friend. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. 
Oh, that'd be like that'd be like three whole hours of music. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The other one that I had, which is very specific, but uh, absolutely a gathering, is that um, when I in the um, late '90s was playing vampire, uh, our rule was we never played vampire while the sun was up. So vampire was only a game that could be played um, in the dark. Which meant that our gathering changed during the time of the year. So, like in the winter, we would play. We would start pretty early um, because you know it'd be dark by like six o'clock. But in the summer, like sometimes we didn't start the game till like nine o'clock, and we weren't like super picky about this. As soon as the sun went down and we could close the like close the curtains and get the room kind of dark, yeah. it was good enough. But the thing that none of us wanted to do was, for mood purposes, was to play like in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. Yep. So we were very much a, um, our gathering had a lot to do with sundown. Um, and again, things like eating dinner was, has been my welcoming ritual forever. So we would like get together, eat dinner, hang out, sun would go down indication. It's time to start gathering for the game. Ah, cool. Cool. I was, I was trying to think if there's anything that I would do specifically differently for this one particular thing for a one shot, if I didn't know anyone, and the answer is partially that, like, I actually can't think of anything specific that I do for this transitional space at a one-shot table other than kind of be like, okay, let's start. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Can I, you think um, of anything that you actually really define? Because since there aren't necessarily ongoing things, right? Like, if I'm playing a one-shot, I set everything up before I ever anybody walked in the room, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, if you're doing a convention one-shot, gathering is like... Gathering is probably the, the phase that you try to get through the fastest, yeah. right? Because yeah. I want to welcome everyone to the table. Hopefully, if timing has gone correctly, I have already set up my stuff, Yeah, right? And I'm having a little chit-chat with everyone, and then I'm probably like my next move is to jump like like right into the journey inward. In fact, if anything, gathering is probably in a convention one shot, the clock. Yeah, I mean And it's a, not a really it a is. it's not yeah, it's, it's not, not really a ritual, but it's or, just a yeah. like I look and I'm like, okay, it's one o'clock, we have four hours to play. We're starting. Right? We're yep. starting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I very much think that um I very much think that um, you don't really get the gathering as much in convention one shots because um, of just the nature of them. People are walking over, welcome to the table, sit down. Cool. It's time. Let's get going. Yeah, that's very much what it is. (laughs) Anyway, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, huh, I can't actually come up with anything for one shots. No, me neither. Um, But so let's move right along. So to the third one that we're really going to discuss today is the journey inward. So this is as we are turning our focus to the actual game itself. Um, And this is rituals in this space are intended to move us from our player headspace of day-to-day stuff into the story and character spaces where that becomes our focus um, of our actions, right? So the most common thing that I think many of us do for campaigns um, is to have some kind of recap. Um, and the recap reminds us of what happened in the previous session and helps us contextualize things as the game starts. But this could also look like, in a one-shot, it might be, you know, sitting down with your PBTA playbooks and doing the character generation parts, right? Like, this is how we are now transitioning from out-of-game to in-game is by creating our characters and setting up our relationships. 
or at the beginning of a PPTA game, but it could be it could be a one shot, for example. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Phil, I know you have actually done a lot more specific deliberate ritualization of starting this space. So why don't you go first? Uh, sure. So recaps, like you said, is probably the like easily the number one um, way where you know I have done like the okay um, previously on you know such and such game whatever i and i sometimes do it like a tv show right previously mm-hmm. um i'll i'll start a recap like that and i've done a, a number of recaps right so i used to be um i will say kind of a jerk and i used to make players do recaps like perform for me show me that you remember something about this game right like tell me things that happened in it um i have largely moved away from that because i have way more notes than they do uh-huh you do. Uh, so <laughs> I, I do because I have the actual prep and then I take like additional notes while we play. So yeah. I have actually a ton of information about the game. I very rarely subject players to have to um, remember everything. I now just do the recap for everybody. But I have done fancy recaps too where um, in my Iron Heroes campaign in the um, 2000s, my recaps were done as um, letters from the GMPC to his wife. Um, and he would just like tell her what was happening. Yeah. Like, like what had just happened, that Very kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was like a little, it was a little extra work each week, but it came off really well. And I would read the letters, um, which was cool because they were kind of editorialized with his perception of what happened during the thing. Yes. Which also then kind of gave the players some insights. Yes. Um, one of my most common rituals, and I use it today, um, it is borrowed. Um, I was inspired by it from uh, game designer John Wick, um, who in Houses of the Blooded would light a candle to indicate the game had started. Um, and it was um, basically the, in with John, the lighting of the candle was to indicate um, we are now entering the game. Let us only speak of game stuff. Um, it's cool. And for Houses of the Blooded, it's very um like it's very correct mood wise the um my version of that is what's called the big die um most um all my gaming all my gaming friends know the big die it is a 96 millimeter um kaplow d6 in uh, marbleized blue and it is big like it is like a softball right mm-hmm. and i keep it um by me on the table as we are gathering, right? So we're still chit-chatting, we're gathering. When I'm ready, I say to everybody, I, I will say to everybody, are we ready to begin? And once I get an indication that everybody said what they need to say, I pick up the big die, I place it in like a, like in front of me, like in the player, like, you know, in the shared space with the players on the table. And that is an indication that like, we need to focus on the game and stop our side chit chats and in fact while the big die remains on the table we don't break to talk about like other things like life things funny videos or whatever we encourage everybody to just write those down on index cards and then when we take a break i take the big die off the table and put it back next to me and then we are free to chat again and we will do that until it is time to resume the game where i return the die to the table so the big die is a big one um the um the other one that was uh, in my uh, D20 Modern Heist game back in uh, the early 2000s, uh, our game was set in Vegas. And so we would start the game by playing a hand or two of poker. 
Yeah, that's cool. So, and it would we would play in character. The characters had a standing poker game where they kind of like hung out and chatted about life and about like upcoming heists and stuff like that. And we would actually just play a couple of hands of poker in character. That's cool. Um, which was very, um, um, it, it did a lot for uh, getting you in the right headspace because this game was in Vegas. And so you're just, you know, you're playing poker kind of thing. Uh, the other one that you, I think you just mentioned um, was my Musketeers uh, movie. Is that what you were asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I, um, I was putting down here because I was like, in my like, all for I, I played, I played all for one um, many years ago. Ubiquity's all for one, and I went kind of bonkers, and I made a show opening by crudely, and I mean crudely, hacking together video clips from a number of different Three Musketeers movies. And did it with um, titles, like the character names came up, like, you know, with the, like, you know, like the player and character names came up and it had music over it from, um, oh God, Three Steps from Hell, I think. It was a whole production. Have I ever showed it to you? No, but you've talked about it. I will show it to you after the show. I'm going to show it to you after the show. I was like, I need you to talk about this because you mentioned it before. And I feel like this is a a definitely one of these things. But yeah, it was. So it was a great idea. It was a giant pain in the ass because what I did was at the end of the video, I put in a frame that said tonight's episode. Oh, no. And gave it a name. Yeah. So. I re-edited you have to this. change it every time. That's terrible. I mean, it's amazing. Sustainability, right? But sustainability is, another part is of ritual. a thing. <laughs> yeah. It was not a sustainable idea, but it did take me like it took me like a Saturday afternoon um, using like Windows Movie Maker, which Ugh. if I had owned a Mac, it would have taken me like an afternoon, not like a whole day kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of work. Uh, it was actually pretty cool. I'll show it to you after the. I'll show it to you yeah, after yeah. the. Yeah, um, I'm thing. excited to see. I it. don't know yeah. if it's. I don't know if it's big enough to put somewhere that I could then like link to the Slack room or something. I'll have to look like uh, it's on my personal storage, but I can show it to you through zoom. Okay. Anyway, um, the, the whole idea of these is, um, to trigger that transition that's pushing us over into the game, right? Like whatever that is, like that hand of poker was really good for it. The big die is kind of a very um, non-thematic way. Like it was just a, the big die is just like, uh, I'm plunking this on the table, everybody shut up, right? Whereas like the poker game was far more um, thematic to the game. Like it felt like you were trans, it felt like the opening of a TV show and you were like easing into like into the game. It's like, well, they use that in Star Trek a lot. They frequently start on the poker game on TNG. Oh yeah, right? TNG. And then they go off to something else. But like the poker game is where something comes up in conversation. Uh, on DS9 and Voyager, it's almost always the hollow deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. coming out of the hollow suites on DS9, yes. right? Or yep. um Harry and um um Tom Paris. Yes, thank you. Harry and Tom are like, you know, off to, you know, maybe it's, you know, Captain Proton or, you know, one of their other. Gosh, I love the Captain Proton. Captain, so Captain. Hey, anyway, to finish. No, to no, finish, I want to talk no, about no. mine. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Here's the thing, everybody. It's not that I didn't remember that Senda had stuff. But when we wrote these, the examples we are them, Senda. Go, yes. Right. We wrote it. Flip them. We wrote it in such order that Phil thought he was moving on to the the next section, which was a very reasonable assumption of him. But since I tricked him by rearranging the order, 
I am now reminding him. <laughs> My bad. I'm going to talk Please. now. <laughs> it's okay. Please tell me yours. Cool. Um, yes. And mine are pretty short because we have actually not ever done anything as intentionally, specifically real, um, ritualistic unless it was prescribed by the game for something like 10 Candles when we were playing a one-shot. Um, so for our standard games, really this transition for us is our recaps. The thing that I think is different about the recaps that we do from the recaps that you do <laughs> is that um, as a group, we are not, we're all decent at taking notes, but I don't think that any of us is necessarily like amazing at taking notes. Um, so what happens is that this is a shared responsibility for the group that we all kind of flip back to our notes and then we go, okay, so here's the high points that I wrote down. Anybody else have anything else, et cetera, right? Um, and what tends to happen, because a lot of our notes tend to be in the form of something funny happened and I wrote it down, is that we end up with um, a lot of quote sharing from our last session or, you know, whatever session before that that we are trying to remember things from. Um, so we'll just be sitting there reading things like, exit stage left pursued by a moist bear <laughs> like and then we're all like oh yeah the moist joke that was funny and it kind of brings things back um but we try and also hit the actual highlights of what happened um so it works from a perspective of both transitioning us back to the game thematically and remembering the uh the funny themes that we are bringing into the game because we're saying the quotes and Anyway, moist bears. Now you may move on. <laughs> well, I don't know how I follow up moist bears, but know. here we go. <laughs> um, you should see some of my other notes. We should just do. I can't. I cannot possibly, in any way, shape, or form, justify this. But at some point, if we could just manage to have an episode that was just like funny, out of context shit that you said during a game. I would be so prepared for that. <laughs> I feel like we could do this as some sort of bonus episode. Maybe a bonus no, no. episode? I don't feel yeah. like it has any actual, like, no. helpful, useful information. No. But I think it might be a fun bonus episode. We could try to figure out. Yeah. That's well, okay, okay. So tell us if you're interested in hearing other people's gaming quotes is the... And if we won't that. be we won't be offended if you say no. Yeah, if you're like nah. we all understand we all understand how that works. Yeah, or if there's just universal silence, then I will just there we go contain that. <laughs> Lastly, let's talk about one shots and campaigns when it comes to rituals. Um, I think as we've been talking about, um, I'm going to talk about campaigns here because that's my hat. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. When. Um, if we're going back to the classics, right? I'm putting my campaign hat. When we talk about rituals, it's really easy to have rituals for campaigns because rituals are about doing something um, over and over, right? It's, it's about repetition and it's about having like history and things like that. So campaigns are really easy to do that because if you have a gaming group and you're playing campaigns, even if you're playing one shots, if you have a steady group, yeah, it's key. You can have rituals. So let's let me back that off of campaigns a little and just say this: if you are playing with the same group of people at roughly the same intervals, like weekly, biweekly, monthly, or whatever, um, having rituals works really well because um, you have that repetition, and it actually works really well because it is the kind of thing that because everyone has the shared experience. Once you start it, it clues people in to what's going on. So you kind of need that 
for rituals to really work. Now, you can bring your own rituals um, to a one shot, and I guess Senda will talk about that in a second, or to a new group, but you have to like introduce them and like tell people this is a ritual. Yeah. As opposed to like when I sit down and I take the big die out of its die pouch because it has its own pouch, right? Because it literally nothing it's else so fits big. in it. <laughs> right. I will take the big die out and like I will oh, I just bumped my mic. She's pretty um, <laughs> I'm panam I'm pantomiming the die, right? So I will take it out of the pouch and I will put it on the table. And that is like the beginning of the ritual that people know the big like we're getting ready to start because the big die can be seen. Yes. Like, that's like the first sign of it. And if I get like antsy, like we're not starting fast enough, I will take the big die and like kind of toss it between my hands or like hold it in my hands in front of everybody as like an indicator, (laughs) like wrap up your conversations, folks, like we're Mm -hmm. getting ready, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think it's very doable when you have the same group of people. Yeah. Like having Brett bring... Um, you know, like Brett brings Brett the beer, brings like, the beer, which is yeah, a exactly. tongue twister just so that you all know that I accidentally did to myself the moment it came out of my mouth. And to be clear, it's not always beer. There's one more delicious, like hibiscus pineapple cider of some kind in my refrigerator right now. That was just mwah. anyway, Brett brings the beer. Um, yeah. So when we talk about one shots and i think that you are correct that this is more clearly defined by um people i haven't played with before and people i have played with before people i play with consistently versus people that i'm playing with for this instance um so if we talk about people we are playing with for this instance if there's any sort of generic ritual that you are bringing like if you wanted to implement the big die at a table that you were running a one shot with people you don't play with as a standard rule You could absolutely do that, but um, it requires the explanation of what it is because you all have to have the shared expectations of what that looks like and how it functions for that table, right? Um, And a lot of what happens when we play with people consistently over and over again is we start developing very clear shared expectations simply through experience. Um, And that's like absolutely a thing, right? And when those shared expectations are mismatched is usually when there's trouble with a group. Um, so sitting down at a table with people you haven't played with before is in so many ways about setting clear expectations about how the game's going to go. Um, but it's then also setting clear expectations about any specific rituals that you are implementing. One of the things that I just realized that I did not talk about for one shots or a, you know, actually, this is something that happens in all my games, um, that I think happens in all your games too that we both just glossed past is like safety stuff is a thing that also happens in that um journey uh journey inwards phase right Mm -hmm. for me because that's transitional from external world to internal world um and it's something that um if i'm sitting down with new people this is where we decide what those boundaries are if i'm sitting down with the people that i've been playing with for forever sometimes that just looks like you know, the X card getting put out on the table. Sometimes that looks like, hey, here's a specific thing I'm not feeling today specifically because of the place that I'm in or whatever, right? That like normally wouldn't be a problem, but today as we're playing, you know, I'm just in this space. Um, So those kind of conversations happen. But so playing with new people, um, there's a lot of explanation about anything like the big die. There would be an explanation about potentially lines and veils or the X card or Um, you know, um, any other safety tools that you might be using or implementing during the game, right? It's just explaining all of that stuff and making sure everybody's on the same page. 
But the other thing is that I think for a lot of one shots, when we start talking mechanically and less about groups of people, I think that one shots as games are more likely to have built in um, rituals in the actual game mechanics themselves. And sometimes this looks like um, a prescribed way that you introduce the game itself. Many one-shots have that, especially really intense ones, right? So when we start talking about, um, you know, playing Red Carnations on a Black Grave, there's a pretty specific way that you get into that game. But also, there are very specific ways, and we did not get to these steps, but there are very specific ways that you leave that game. And that's some Mm -hmm. of the stuff that we actually um, had to be pretty careful about writing into Turning Point, right? Because that's how you manage the bleed part is by ending the container, making sure you're all feeling good about what happened and had the expectations and the boundaries, right? Um, So I think that one shot simply because of the contained nature of the design itself, when a game is written to be run um, in a contained time period, it is more likely to contain specific written for that game rituals that begin and end it. It's hard to write game rituals um, into game design, I think, for games that don't have a prescribed end point or like a point that you know that the game is over, whether that's, you know, accomplishing the same thing every time or not, but like, you know, the game ends when X happens, right? Um, so that's what that's what I would say about one shots. I think um, I think it matters a lot more the the people part versus one shots versus campaigns until we start talking about game mechanics, and then I do think you are more likely to find ritual mechanics in one shot games because of their nature of being, you know, inherently more contained. Well, and I think that's actually. Um not only are they inherently contained, but they kind of need to perform a function, which is like bring a group of people together to play this game. Yeah. So they kind of take a more, um, uh, like a stronger hand in that. Like, yeah. oh, we will help you. Yeah. He, like, here's how you make this group of people who's never met each other before now, um, you know, create conversations and be engaged and play this game. Like, here are the steps that they must engage in. It makes me think that if I was inclined to go back and do some editing on the turning point manuscript someday, which we will mm-hmm. um, having a little bit of ritual um, in, because we have a lot of structure for that game. Yeah. Having a little bit of ritual in terms of welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we do have an aftercare. Yes. Where you de roll and talk about the game, but we don't really have a, um, we don't really have a section that says like, maybe you should all like, if you need to, to get to know each other, for this game, like, cause we have safety and like all that's in there for sure. But we could actually put a little thing in that says like, if possible, like, you know, if possible and when needed, here's yeah. like a little welcoming gathering. Right. Here's how you can start making some quick connections as, as players before you yeah. start diving in on the heavy stuff. Yeah. Cool. Thought things to think about. Okay. You should write this down. <laughs> you should write this down. I'm going to wrap us up yeah, so that we can get ready to um, head out of here and I can make some dinner. Yeah. Um, all right. Rituals. They are things that indicate the beginning of the beginning or ending of different phases of a game. They are really cool in that. Um, like much like having rituals or traditions in other parts of your life, having something that like we always do or we do when we get together to game or whatever um, can make the experience more enjoyable. It also makes it clearer about where we are 
in you know as we are getting together getting ready to game game finish gaming etc right they are signposts um to let us know as we transition from one part of a game to another um like we said they can be intentional they can be formal they can be informal um they can be spontaneous like how you get to them and exactly what they are really is more about your group than it is what you're actually doing um, if your group likes that, like maybe you all get together and watch a couple episodes of a anime or something and that's your, you know, welcoming cool, do that. Right. Like they, it doesn't have to be, it can be anything beyond what we've said. As long as your group is into it, um, it's good. So do that. And, um, you know, if you don't think you have any rituals in your game, or if you're setting up a new gaming group, or even if you're just setting up a new game and want to deliberately put in some rituals because you you want to create a certain amount of transition and focus and things like that, um, you've listened to this episode, but go and read Seriously. that article. Yes. Like, go, Seriously. go read that Seriously, article. Seriously, go read the you article. Will, <laughs> yeah, because it had hit... I'll just say this really quick before we hit the um, blurb. It had been in my inbox because I got a notification that article had posted and I had seen it and I was like, oh, I'll get around to reading that, but I hadn't yet. And then when we were setting up for the article or for this episode, I was like, oh, I should probably go, I should probably go take a look at that. Um, I should probably take a look at this. And so I read it and I was like, oh, this is way better. Like, this, is, this is way smarter than anything that I was going to discuss. I'm like, I am going to gently lift a couple pieces out of here to help guide our discussion, but way smarter people have done way smarter things about this space. Um, you should, if you're really into this idea, um, do it. I actually am considering myself the idea of, um, being more deliberate about crafting the gaming experience at like, as we head to the table. Um, it's a thing I want to kind of, um, mull, mull around a little before I like do it to anybody, but I very have some very strong thoughts about it. Um, as I was reading the article and as I was starting to put this together. That said, cool. thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Send it, tell us about another show on the Mr. Mark Network, and then we'll hit the close. Yeah, absolutely. So they're back. They're making new episodes again. If you haven't caught that already, you should probably go check them out. It's Bonus Experience with Ray and Monica, who are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity, while also sharing some of the dumbest humor that gaming has to offer. Woo-hoo. Cool, cool. Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums like Maleficevenim. <laughs> like today's topic came to us from, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can find us in, uh, where else can you find us? Uh, panda at misdirectedmark.com. Drop us an email. Um, or you can find us on TikTok with our individual Twitter handles. Good luck spelling mine. Cool. Uh, Once you have that information or have discovered us, uh, what can they do with that information, Phil? Just like today's topic and just like almost every one of our other topics, leave us a question, um, ask us to talk about a thing, whatever it is. um, We'll make a show out of it. Really what we're doing here, I say it every week and I'm going to say it again. What we're doing here is we want to make GMing and playing more enjoyable for you. Um, The more 
joy you find in it, the more you will want to do it. Um, and in the case of GMing, if we can help get rid of the parts of the um, help you with the parts of the game that you just don't find as much fun to do, but still kind of need to do them to successfully run a game. If we can help with that, then you're going to want to run more games. And I am telling you, this hobby is driven off of GMs. There may be more players than GMs, but games are built to you need GMs to make them go. And so we need to make sure that you are having fun. And the way we do that is we take the unfun parts and we make them fun for you. Or minimize. And <laughs> if we can do that, you'll run more games. And if you're running more games, more players get to play and you get to play. And all of that is good. And that is how this hobby uh, keeps persisting. Yes. That is my soapbox on which I will stand. Oh, every week. Every week. <laughs> if you like what we're doing here on the Misdirected Mark, uh, if you like what we're doing here on Panastocking Games or elsewhere on the Misdirected yeah. Mark Network, please consider <laughs> supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. You get a bunch of stuff. Um, you get the bonus outtakes. Um, I'm sorry. The, the Bamboo Lounge, mm -hmm. which used to be the bonus outtakes from here. You get the Bamboo Lounge. You get the after show from the Misdirected Mark and you get access to the awesome Slack Room for Life, which includes our Friday luncheons. Um, which we started during the pandemic. We have not let up on, and uh, I'm hoping to just keep them running. Yeah. Uh, I love them. Just keep them for forever. We get like, we get like six to 12 people a week, depending mm -hmm. on schedules. Um, it's a little rowdy. Uh, I will say this, if you're a person who doesn't like a lot of people talking over <laughs> each other, stuff like that. <laughs> sometimes it's that. Might, yeah, sometimes it's that. It, 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 sometimes it's that. Um, it's, it, it is all... Um, it is all done in good faith and everybody is very friendly and stuff, just excited and has different lags when it comes yeah. to yeah. Zoom. The internet doesn't is not always in our favor. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> but it is a great way to kind of like see people and, and talk about life and stuff like that. Anyway, um, we would love to have you there if you are um, if you are so inclined. So if you can support the Patreon campaign, we appreciate it greatly. If you can't support the Patreon campaign, we understand no, you know, don't take it anyway. We just we always bring it up as a reminder. There's another thing you can do, and it helps us immensely um, because it's the only way that people find out about our podcast. The only so, way? <laughs> Is it the there's only? There's two only ways. Okay. The only two ways. Okay, sure. Well, basically, tell a friend. Um, tell a friend if you like the podcast. Tell somebody that you think would also enjoy this podcast. That's great. Or somebody on Twitter when they're like, hey, what do you listen to? If you feel so inclined, let them know it's us. Um, or you can tell a stranger by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcast or the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, every new review we get makes me warm and fuzzy inside, as well as telling people that we have a good show that they should probably listen to, right? Um, which in and of itself is exciting and maybe even helps with the algorithm. Hopefully. We used to think it did. Now we're not sure. We think it does. Hopefully it does. Leave a review. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, I don't, it's okay. I don't know what happened to the end of the show. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what happened to the end of the show right now. Say Senda. Yes. What kind of ritual would you make for taking a break during a game? Yeah, the big die. Yeah, the big die. The big die is a good one. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got.
Ja, ja, klik, ja. Jerry did it the other day on uh, Mr. Mark. He was like three, two, one, and then he just started recording. And what? Bob and I are yelling at him. We're like, like where, where was Clicky? Where's the click? None of us clicked. Where's the click? Yeah, none of us clicked. We had to redo it. Like we had to redo it because we had a complete. It's Jerry's job. Like three minutes before the show starts, he does the three, two, one clicky so that we can start the backup audio recording before we start the show live. But he totally fumbled sure. and forgot to say the word clicky. And Bob and I are just sitting there, like um, staring at him. Yeah, like, like when? Well, can't help you. When you didn't say. You didn't say clicky. You didn't say the magic word. Exactly. All right. We're going to do this. Uh, this is a fast start. This is, yep. we're hot. We're um, fast tracking today's recording. Faster. Yes. It's, we're not being very fast. Are you ready? We should probably just start. Yes. The music is a ritual for us. Yes. <laughs> and so is this next part. Mm-hmm. Bloop. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, who... Nope. Cancel. Redo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Undo. Command Z. And... Oh, no. Didn't like that one either. 